This podcast is brought to you by Ride IQ. Ride IQ is a first of its kind equestrian coaching platform that will transform your independent schooling rides. Ride IQ members get access to the private mobile app with hundreds of on demand listen while you ride audio lessons taught by the world's top eventing, hunter jumper, and dressage coaches. Membership is only $29.99 per month, and every membership automatically includes a free trial. When you sign up at ride-iq.com. On today's episode of In Stride, Sinead talks with Sarah Cosimplick Murphy. Sarah is an American five-star event rider. She competed in her first five-star event at Rolex Kentucky in 1999 when she was just 20 years old. Since, Sarah has competed in many of the world's five-star competitions. Sarah is an A Pony Club graduate and was one of the first people to become a certified ICP instructor. Today, Sinead and Sarah are talking about the money dilemma in equestrian sports. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, I am really excited. We have Sarah Murphy on the podcast with us today, and we are going to be, as we do with all of our podcast members, grazing a bunch of different topics. <laughs> um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Where Where are you? Are you in Florida? Are you in Virginia? Where are you? <laughs> sitting outside of the our house in um, our new house in uh, Overlook South it's a new location for us in Ocala but you can kind of hear the waterfall behind me which is a little bit spoiled um, <laughs> so yes I'm in I'm in Florida and I, I was lucky enough to run into you today I'm watching you having lessons with with Ian Woodhead as well and I got to ride with him and um, yeah we've been having a, a great few days doing that yeah, that was actually, he kicked my butt. I'm like, so, and I said to him yesterday, I said, I, I'm not as fit as I want to be. And he said, if you need to take a break, just let me know. And then he did not stop for 45 minutes telling me to like, go for it. <laughs> I'm alongside. I was like, I thought I got to take a break. No, no. I knew you would love it. I knew you would love it. And this is how spoiled we are. Well, you also gave birth like on the way to the dressage. So you shouldn't really be feeling bad about that. So the, so the fact that you were able to even sit the throat is amazing to me. But um, no, this morning I, uh, you know, it's how spoiled we are in Ocala. You know, this morning I got to a friend of mine gave me the opportunity to ride with Lucinda Green. So I did that this morning and then I rode with Ian Woodhead this afternoon. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Right. And, um, you know, that, that'll lead us right into, into kind of what I want to talk about today and what you actually want to talk about as well is the, the word spoiled, right? Like, and, and often this, this, uh, our, our horse sport and the discipline and all of this, there's all these, um, you know, kind of illusions and truths and not truths around the finances, the lifestyles of the rich and famous, riding with this person in the morning, this person in the afternoon, you know, like all of this type of stuff. And it's a topic that <clears throat> is a little bit taboo is talking about the money that goes into the sport, the money that we spend, the money that we um, pay, the, the grassroots, the high performance, all of this stuff. And, you know, like I, you're one of my favorite people to talk with any of this stuff about because you're so passionate about it. And you called me yesterday because you, you know, you were 
said, we really need to talk about this type of thing. We really need to talk about the finances. We need to kind of get in there and just, it's not sexy. People don't want to talk about it, but I think we should. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, but then I had to like stop talking and stop you talking because I wanted to have this conversation with our listeners. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, no, I, absolutely. Yeah. So let's Sorry. back up. So I, no, you're fine. A year, you know, actually more than a year ago, um, you know, we had this whole thing of Kentucky not happening and the whole reason that it happened really came down to you. <laughs> um, and can you talk us through that and how we got to this place today? And then we'll just, we'll just branch off from there. But, you know, a lot of our listeners aren't going to know the behind the scenes, or maybe they do, maybe they donated $5 or $500, but let's, let's back right up to Kentucky nearly not happening and what type of movement really happened to get it started. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great it's a great place to um, it's a great place to start, Sinead, because and not because, you know, hopefully we never have to do anything like that again. But the reason I like to talk about Kentucky is to it really it showed how much support we have for the sport in this country, which I think a lot of people maybe they've just been in it a long time or they're used to the same people funding everything over and over and over again. And not that and lazy is the wrong word, but we became a little reliant on what had worked in the past. And when mm -hmm. we got to a situation like at Kentucky and it wasn't just an American, you know, issue. I mean, obviously everything was canceled around the world, but you know, Kentucky was the first five star to run since before, since COVID. Uh, and we're, mm -hmm. you know, we should be very proud of that. And, you know, and everyone thought Babington was going to run and they, they canceled a few weeks, you know, after we pulled the whole Kentucky thing off. Um, but what I what I love about that is it really showed that uh, that we do have a, a passionate fan base and and finances is an extremely like you said, and this is what I said yesterday. It's not a sexy thing to talk about. Nobody really wants to have this conversation. I feel like a lot of us feel you know, we, we may be a little spoiled when we watch National Velvet and we had all these dreams and we're just going to like, you know, we're going to find this horse in the field and we're going to go and do it. And, and like that stuff happens. I mean, look at Lucinda Green, right? I mean, that mm -hmm. and, and countless other stories we could name. That stuff does happen. And, you know, and the, uh, a lot of people do have that horse of a lifetime that didn't cost a, a million dollars or anything like that. But at the end of the day, it's not just buying the horse or having the horse. It's keeping the horse, supporting the horse, competing the horse training the horse and being able to sustain it because you know it's not um i loved one thing you said in your in your chat maybe it was will that said it actually um that i i think he was saying that karen had said it or you were saying that karen had said it and she's quite right that it's one you know it's it is hard and I, it is hard to get to that level but really what the hardest thing is is to be able to sustain a string of horses you know for more than a few years at the highest level of the sport. That is what is really hard. And that really resonated with me. And that's what we need to talk about because it's not um, buying the horse or having the free course that you've bought off the track or whatever it is. It's being able to sustain that, to train at a level that the sport is nowadays because it's not the same sport that it was even 10 years ago. So to be able to train it at that level and be able to show up with a sound horse that's competitive year after year after year that's that is hard and that that's really hard and that's why i want to talk about talk about the financial stuff so the reason why um kentucky to me is is a part of this is because we need to figure out how to make our our competitions and our clinics and other things 
profitable for the events because if that becomes more if those guys are making bringing in more money making more money that is going to make all of our lives a bit easier because at the moment as you're well aware of Sinead um you know trying to sell this sport to sponsors or sell this sport to owners is very very hard it has to be it's usually and we can talk about that later but it's usually you're going to be having people around you that you know believe in you want to support you are interested in the goal or interested in the passion or horsemen like following the stories because otherwise why on earth would you do it there's no there's absolutely no financial reason to do it right like you have to be okay with just lighting money on fire you know and so you know we can we can talk about that as well but 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 to me the you know we need to think about how do we engage our fans how do we how do we engage our our fans that are quite dormant right now um, there are there are a lot there's a lot of support and a lot of fan base for eventing in this country that we are not currently not tapping into, and Kentucky proved that. Mm-hmm. Kentucky proved that because the fact that we could raise and it wasn't just me. I mean, it was Lynn Szymanski deserves like a shrine to be made to her, and and same <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But you know, and and Dorothy Crowell as well, and then and, and numerous like when I tell you, and I know you can understand this so many people picked up the phone and so many people helped out behind the scenes there is no way any of this could have happened without just legions of people but the thing that was most exciting about it was the was the grassroots support that was mm-hmm. most exciting because the people that i scrolled down my phone list and called and begged and did all of that stuff too those guys they already support the sport pretty extensively, and we are very, very lucky to have them. But, um, but there was over three hundred thousand, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars that came from people that just love investing. <laughs> that they donated their tickets back. That you know gave five, ten, like you said, five hundred dollars, whatever, whatever they could give. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 that is what we are we are not tapping into that right now. And I know I'm talking on a broad scale, and we should go back to talking about on a on a smaller scale as well. But this is so that is so. And to me, the the biggest problem that we have is is communication and making everyone in this country um, that is just a fan of the sport, like like your mom is, like my mom is, like uh, you know, or just you know your random person that that. Um, there's loads of people that just love to come to Kentucky every year. They might not be that yeah. horsey, but they just absolutely love coming. Or their granddaughter rode, or they rode when they were, you know, whatever. But um, you know, they, they, if they felt invested in the sport and felt like they could get behind their team and felt a part of it, uh, I think we would we would have a heck of a lot more money than we have right now. And 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 the more money we get and the more support we get, the better we're going to be. And because right now it is really, really, really hard for riders to to sustain themselves at that competitive level. And again, no one wants to talk about it because we're, you know, we've seen as a bunch of, oh, you know, gosh, you know, how can you possibly be complaining? Like, and we're not complaining, but how can you possibly be complaining that you get to do this and you get to do all that? Well, yeah, yeah, we do, you know, but we also very few of us have savings accounts. You know, very few of us um, have a great plan for tomorrow, and and uh, and so how can we make this where it's not? It, it should be hard. It should be very hard. But how can we make it where it it's not? Do you get the choice of of having a, a stable life, you know, or the or you're going to just go both everything you've got into this, and you're either going to make it or you're not. 
Yeah. Well, um, I think the, I think the word that you <clears throat> used a few times earlier was sustainable. It's got to be sustainable. You've got to, and and that's it's not. I mean, it's it's just not. And um, <clears throat> and and I think we all know that on several levels. I mean, I remember in 2016 being in, and this has happened multiple times. This just stood out for some reason being in Ireland and waiting to go in and show jump at Mill Street. And so lucky to be there. So lucky to be there. But getting phone calls that my my bank account's overdrawn. The girls have to go get feed. I can't figure out how to pay this. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, like credit cards are maxed out. And and that doesn't help the competitive side of things. And um, and and I will say for the record that it's not like we're talking about money. And we spend uh, like courses are very expensive. The sport is very expensive. And the reason that we need money uh, is, is to feed the horses and do the job. It's not to buy the yacht or the plane or the vacation. Like it's to do the job. Yep. And the, and that's what it needs to be. And when, and I remember coming back from, I don't know what it was. And it was a little cold, like it was a little harsh, but Karen, maybe it was the wag. I don't, I don't know. And Karen said, you guys didn't do your job. And, you know, you, you came back and you didn't finish a team and you didn't do your job. And I remember thinking, well, it doesn't feel like a freaking job, a job you get paid for. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know, and I yeah. feel like I put it's too emotional because I'm putting everything on the line to show up and do what's supposed to be a job. And I'm putting all this everything into this, but it's not sustainable. Like I can't can't sustain it. Um, it's too emotional. And so that's this, the I, money I, what you just said there, though, to do that. Yeah. What you just said there, I think I really want to highlight that because that is such a common thing that is happening is and people don't don't realize it. And you know what? And we all know, like we all know that um, even if you are a multimillionaire and there's a few in the sport and um, but they have to work bloody hard, too. It's not an easy sport. Money does not erase all the issues. It is bloody hard no matter what you're doing. You know, the show jumping ring, you know, um, at Mill Street. I can't tell you how many times that's been me as well. And I think you, know, you can't, the, the thing is, is that you can't really let that show for a number of reasons. Like number one, we are all spoiled to be able to do what we're doing and we know yeah, it, 100%. right? We do know mm -hmm. it and we know it, but the amount of times, but you know, like, but, but like you said, it's not a luxury item that you're doing. You're trying to pay the hay bill and especially yeah. like, especially at the moment with the way things have gone in the last, last bit again, we're so lucky. We're not in the Ukraine. We're not dealing with all this yeah. other stuff. We're riding horses, you know, but at the same time, you know, these, these, it has the, that it is an enormous amount of pressure to be worrying about even, you know, being able to, to put enough petrol in your car to get home because that is a real thing that happens. And you feel silly saying that when you're, when you're dropping a thousand dollars to go to an event, because you know, that's what it costs. And, and yeah. you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. And it's, and that, and I think that is why it's so hard to talk about because, um, you know, you're like, well, you're paying a thousand dollars to go to this horse show and that's just money down the drain. Um, and then, you know, there, there's all this stuff, other stuff going on in the world, but, but the bigger picture, the 10,000 foot view is we're trying, we need to make the sport sustainable and we need to make it sustainable for everybody and enjoyable for everybody. And we need to engage the masses so that, so that it's equal, so that there's a balance, so that people want to go to the horses and support and and pay for an experience that's bigger and and they feel involved and they can touch and they can feel, and that that those of us on the other side of that experience that are providing the experience, are providing the service, feel like it's worthwhile. Like that is, you know, I I want to feel like I earn a living, 
um, and by providing a service, whatever that service is. And, yep. and, and at the high performance level, that, that service is a sport, it's entertainment. Um, and then we have this other side because we don't get paid for the entertainment or this, th that part of it. We get paid to teach the lessons and do the clinics. And so how do we bridge those things together? How do we engage the audience? How do we get, like you said, the, um, the, the fans that love it, that follow it, that are so engaged in it, how do we get them, how do we have less degrees of separation so that um, so that everybody can work together to make the sort the sport sustainable, to make sure the horses are taken care of, you know, like that, that, you know, when yeah. it all comes down to it, it's all about the horses. And, you know, whether you drop $5,000 or $500,000 on a horse, they cost the same. Like, you're, you're talking... Yeah. 20000 to $100,000 a year, depending on the level that the horse is doing and the maintenance that you have to do to sustain that horse, whether you've spent 5000 or $500,000. So, and the whole point is to make sure that the horse is healthy and happy and sound and you can take care of it and you can pay for the hay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, how, how do we do that? How do we do that, Sarah? <laughs> well, okay. So and I, I don't, I obviously don't have all the answers, but, but, you know, <laughs> but, but the reason that you and I are good people to have this conversation is that we have survived right okay hasn't always been easy like um we we've had we've had a, a a horsey background we've been lucky in a lot of in a lot of ways but there hasn't been a trust fund and we have survived okay mm -hmm. so that's why that i think it's a good it's a good conversation for 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 you and i so i think there's a there's a there's a way of looking at it on an individual personal level which in that mind to me and i know you can relate to this is that i have known so many talent, so many talented riders like could ride rings around me every day of the week and twice on Sunday, right? So many talented riders, but they could not figure out how to, how to, it doesn't have to necessarily be with owners, but how were they going to make, how are they going to make that money? Like they could show mm -hmm. up and they could ride and they were great competitors and they were beautiful to watch and all that sort of thing. But when we go back to the core of what makes somebody want to own event horses when there's absolutely no reason on earth why anyone with any you know yeah, <laughs> anyone would yeah. want to like it's not a business move it's got to be something that they are you know they feel invested in they're passionate about and so you have to be able to give the owner or the client or the like whomever it is that person has to get out from you what they are looking for and everybody is so very very different yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you and I had a background in our both of our moms having riding schools and doing things like that. And that's a very, very good way to learn how to be how to be, how to run your customer service, which does help um, immensely with owners. I mean, a lot of the owners that I have, I've, I've had for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I think it's and of course, some come and some go. And that, that's the nature of life. But, you know, it, you, you do have to figure out what it is that person's trying to get out of it. And, and then do your best to, to do that. And so that's an individual individual level. What can I do on the personal level? But what can we do to think about the sport as a whole? As riders, we get, we're very, number one, we're not normally um, naturally outgoing and not normally, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit introverted and we, you know, we like to kind of yeah. do our own thing. We like to ride the horses. We like to do that. And we don't really want to do anything else. Well, that would be lovely <laughs> yeah. if we could get paid for that, but that's not the way it is. So I, I feel that, the the biggest issue that we have right now is communication and connecting to our our base route the base or the grassroots of support of our sport that we are currently mm -hmm. not engaged with currently we're not engaging with them so how do we how do we fix that and and in my mind that comes from 
there being a lot more of a social media presence, giving not just a press release or an email being sent out to everyone, but just a bit more just a bit more current information and, and um, just saying, okay, well, how, how are you selecting your, like right now, you know, we just obviously just uh, selected the wonderful Bobby Costello to be our interim, you know, um, managing our team. And so, you know, how, how did that process go? Like, how was mm -hmm. that selected? And I think, you know, a lot of the negative pushback and the negative press that we get in our sport is simply because the information isn't readily available and it feels very, it feels very closed off. Like it doesn't feel like, um, oh, well, I wonder what our high performance team is doing. Like, how are, how are they going? It's not this like carefully worded <clears throat> press release that comes out in some strange thing that nobody ever sees. Like, mm -hmm. how about just the, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing. And here's this week with, with our coach. And here's this week with our, with our riders. And if you're going to be at Kentucky or you're going to be at, it doesn't even matter what event it is. You're going to be at trying, you're going to be here. Like we've got all this stuff going on. Would you like to meet the riders? Would you like to come and watch a riding lesson? Like, how about that? Like, how about just like open some of some of this stuff up? And we all know that, yes, a lot of a lot of uh, training sessions and things like that, quite rightly, should be a, a more private environment. But there's lots of ways that we can be more engaging and give more information. And then in that way, we're going to have people behind us going, oh, this is our team. We're a part of it. Like we're not it's not. Oh, that's them. This is us. And right. I think right now, there's definitely a feeling of that's them, this is us. And it's not anyone, it's absolutely not anyone trying to make it that way, not at all. But I think you just need a couple of people to try to bridge that gap. And there's loads of people that have tried and given their entire lives to trying to make the sport better and worked very, very hard behind the scenes that we owe so much to. But right now, there's not a, there's not a connection from... Number one, our, our fans. There's not a connection from them going forward. There's also not a connection of how, I know we we're just talking about this briefly, but you know, how do I, if I get in the sport, if I have a kid or I'm, or let's say I just started riding at 20, how do I get through to be a part of the adult rider programs to see if I, or how do I get through to be a part of the um, developing and young rider programs? Like, how does that get me through? Because right now it seems to me, and it's no one's fault, but it seems to me like it's all very insular. And mm -hmm. that is a country that should be supplying and does in show jumping and dressage should be supplying a steady stream of top, top, top riders doesn't because our communication is really lacking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not a rider like, problem. It's not a rider no, problem. No. And like now that you as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking about this and like I, I dropped Brooks off at school and then I, I actually... I, I used to be a massive Orange Theory person and I still love, I know you are an Orange Theory person as well when you have time to go and I love it, but I, it takes too much of my time right now. And there's a YMCA right next to Brooks's school. So I drop him at school and I normally go run on the treadmill for like a half an hour and then I'm gone because I just drive right past it. So I just can do it. And, um, but I'm, whenever I'm in there, there's a sports channel on and which I find kind of annoying because I don't really follow too many sports, but it's not like I'm watching TV anyway, but anyway whatever. But, uh, you know, it's almost like we need, a um, like a, a channel or like a place that's just dedicated to like, what's normally playing is a panel. It's a panel discussion of, you know, four athletes discussing the latest football game or the latest tennis game or the latest soccer game or anything like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my, um, music, but I'm reading the, um, whatever the, the, 
uh, words across the, the screen and kind of following what's going on at that point in time too. And it's interesting because you just have four guys or a lady and they're sitting around talking about what happened at the event and then what's happening next week. And it all is in this one place that if you just click it on, you can kind of follow and get to know, like in a half an hour, I know kind of know what's going on with the latest football game and I don't follow football. And, um, but I find it a little bit interesting and it's almost like from the Federation point of view or from, uh, you know, that there, there's a place for information and, or, or a channel or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like where there's just always some I do. information that's constantly I coming do. out that people can follow. And I know that there's been private people and farms that have tried to do that but i think it well, well that's work. what i'm you know i want to highlight right now i mean there are people that are doing it currently with say the john and rick show yes, but, they, yeah. but that that's a that's a little bit my my point is that all of this stuff is going on by well-meaning educated smart um passionate people devoted to the sport but it is not connected in any way yeah. and so yeah. getting that um like getting that information out to a wider audience is simply because all this stuff is happening, like I said, very in a very insular manner, and mm -hmm. it, it, and it's not anyone's fault, but but that oh, yeah. that there has to be a thread that links that through. Well, I was talking. I was. I, I don't know. I you know. I kind of was a little bit uh, again a, a few thousand feet away watching and. It's hard, even very in, in the sport, we recognize there's a lot of money in the sport and we're like, where is it going? <laughs> and um, because it feels mm -hmm. like, you know, the event organizers feel like they're not getting it. Sometimes the riders feel like they're not getting it. The owners aren't getting it. And we're like, there's so much money in grants and, you know, paying for jobs and, and it, within the sport. And anyway, and I kind of was like, well, what if what if we kind of went down and re even looked at that budget and thought, how can we make the owner experience? So that's one end of the equation, the owner experience and then your your, yep. uh, you know, yep. your grassroots experience better. And then, you know, take the money that's I have been there was every single time I have flown overseas, I have had a grant and I feel incredibly fortunate and lucky to have, I mean, $30,000 here, $30,000 there to get over to Europe and then back. I've never paid for it myself. And so for me to even say this is kind of bold, but to take some of that money that's going into these grants, uh, sending people abroad and actually like, how can we distribute that in a way that makes the experience of the overall thing better for everyone? How is there a way that, that money can go if a horse reaches a certain level that I, you know, it can actually pay for, you know, some of the vet bills on one side and then actually go to some of the competitions to make the experience for the spectator, the, the person that's paying $5 at the gate or coming in for free better. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's just a random thought. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I would actually tip it around a little bit and say why can't we do all of it and <laughs> and not and not in the sense that i think grant grant should be handed out willy-nilly right like i don't right. i think i think grants should be handed out in my opinion uh, my personal opinion i think yeah. grants should be handed out to riders that are either up and coming and need the experience or mm -hmm. people that we think are going to win other yeah. than that no grants yeah. Right. Like yeah. my opinion. But 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 I'm happy. I'm happy for people to compete overseas. I think we need to do that. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, but on the but on the other side of it, like what what I think we can do to make the, the experience better. A lot of it isn't 
money, which is which is the kind of exciting thing. Like, you know, for I'm just going to bring up a, a small example. So the the riders or the, not the riders, sorry, the, the people that I went down through the list and a couple of them were riders that that helped me with their owners. But mm-hmm. the people that, um, you know, the, the, the people that I, I kind of went through my list last year with Kentucky and. And it was, you know, it was, it was my, uh, you know, my ex-husband's idea. It was Brian Murphy's idea to say, oh, you know, we're going to, like, why don't you just go down the list of people that you know and see how much money you can get? And, and I thought, well, God, I've never done that. But again, that gives me a bit of credibility because I've known these people for 20 plus years. I've never asked them for a thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they're in my phone. And so why not just go ahead and do that? And then I would never have asked for the number he said. Like He said, ask them for $60,000. You can't mess around with 10 or 20. Like, ask for $60,000 a piece. <laughs> and so th- there's a list of people. And it's a it's a pretty big list. There's a wow. list of people that gave $60,000 or more each. Right? Wow. Like, each. Yeah. That, 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 that helped all that happen last year. And when I, when I tell you that I just put it, like, for this year going into Kentucky, um, it, of course, Kentucky itself is on an official level is, is, is doing a lot of stuff for them and as they should. But I also just put them on my phone in a, in a text message and just said, hey, you know, um, I'm your unofficial concierge. Like, what do you need? Because it's yeah. very easy for me to say, oh, you know, hey, we're, we might, might need a golf cart for this person. This person has a cane. That person needs this or, or whatever it is. And that's something that, again, it doesn't cost me any money. All it costs me is a couple of seconds of looking at my text <laughs> messages and, and getting the information to the right people. And yeah. I feel that strongly about the grassroots as well. It's not mm-hmm. so much about how much money or, or things that we're giving back to them or, or, or whatever. It's about the experience of how they feel included in the sport and how they can feel that they can go and hang out with some, like, even if it's just, hey, you know, we're just going to sit down and we're all going to have a five o'clock cocktail hour <laughs> at this at this tent. And we're all yeah. going to just chat for a minute. Like, it's just mm-hmm. that. Or, yes, the course walks. Or, yes, this. Or, yes, that. But it's just that. It's just the feeling of, num- as you know, I, I have some very um, long-time owners in the sport, as you do, Sinead. And, and how about just simple things like, you know, I was talking to the lovely, lovely, lovely um, uh, Gloria, who is our right. who's part, who's, you know, main yeah. part on our owner's own, yeah, on our, <laughs> on our owner's task force. And, you know, she's just simple things like, oh, we're going to have a, you know, WhatsApp group and, oh, the there's a weather delay or, hey, we're doing this. Or if you're an owner and you'd mm-hmm. like to get information, just basic stuff. And that doesn't, again, it doesn't cost us anything. It just has somebody on the ball keeping that updated. Yeah. And I actually think, like, I think that job, I mean, it, it's, it's not where I'm at in my life, but I feel like creating a job um, description for that person that manages that would be actually pretty fun. <laughs> you know? Like if your main yeah. job is the communications yeah. and marketing for, and you're just like taking something that already exists and just packaging it and putting it out there for the masses. Like that actually seems pretty fun because it's a fun sport. Like we wouldn't do it. I mean, it's super fun. It's super exciting. You don't have to write the script because it writes itself. <laughs> like in the people are engaging and entertaining yes. and their yes. drama, you know, like, so if you have someone obviously that's responsible in how to package that and put that out. And like you said, it doesn't have to be this like crazy setup, but that they can get that out to people where they can follow along and feel part of it. You know, that would actually be a super fun uh, job, I would think. Um, but it, I, it I would mean, be, I totally and, they, and they can shadow someone like for, for, <clears throat> 
Well, well, they can chat and they can chat with someone. Like they could pick a rider for whichever big event you're talking about. Like if I was going to go to Carolina as a rider, I would text Will Forgery. That's just mm-hmm. the way it is. If I mm-hmm. had a question about something, that's what I would do. He's passionate about it. He does a lot of work with it. Like if I had a question about something, I, I would text him. We need to, like, I think it would be good to have um, some sort of representative to the riders and that, and then that, and then that rider then also is, should be responsible for keeping the connection to the grooms. And then yeah. the, the, whoever the marketing person or the PR person can then get that information out to everyone else. And it, it, it isn't hard. It's just successful people to me. Any successful person I've ever known in business has, has always been very fast to respond. In, in yeah. my, you know, it's usually text messaging, right? Rather than email and all that stuff. But I have, I have literally never known anyone that is very, very good at what they do that does not get back to you quite quickly. So you pick a few of the good people, you know, like we're so blessed to have had, I mean, He's gone now, which is, is a real tragic loss to our sport. But we're so blessed to have had Steve Blauner, who has very much exemplified this. And, mm. you know, that just, if, if I, if Steve was probably one of the busiest people I ever knew. But if I if I messaged him, I had an answer within 20 minutes about something. Right. And so right. let's just pick a couple people that we know are going to do that. Some people can't, some people can't do that or it's not, it's not their strong suit. And that's totally fine. But there's plenty of people that are in our sport that, that can, that can do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, there's, there's definitely some, something, something big's missing. That's probably not that big. You know what I'm saying? Like we're trying to actually solve a problem with a big, big, with a big gesture instead of like small gestures, which tend to make the point, you know? Um, so it's, it's trying to figure that out. Totally agree. More, more committee, more committees, more going in circles is not the answer. <laughs> just everybody, like just a, a common thread is the answer. In my it's, yeah. again, this is only my opinion, but mm-hmm. it's just, a, it's just a common thread. It's just a, Hey, you know, let's, let's not take 18 hours to do something that would require <laughs> a text message between five people. Let's just do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's sorry. Do it. Okay. I'm, all, I'm off my hobby horse. Those are the no. things that <laughs> stay on it. I like it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, I remember one of the things that stands out to me so much. I remember, I can't, I can't remember what year it was at Kentucky, but, um, I remember it being just so, so amazing was when Bonnie Mosser and her lovely gray horse, I cannot remember its name off the top of my head, but it was, it, mm-hmm. it's like a pony. Murloc, right? like, Murloc. Mur- yeah. Such a good pony. She Murloc, took it Murloc. Yeah. yeah. You remember that she took yeah. it. She, she was jumping around Kentucky. It was at the competition and she took him out into the trade fair and was letting people pet him uh, because he yeah. was totally cool, totally fine. And it was like yeah. the most amazing bridge, right? Because it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like some superstar coming down into the crowd and just shaking everybody's hand and taking a picture. Like, it's not like it has, I mean, obviously they're most 95% of the horses at Kentucky will not handle standing in the trade fair but um but it was just such a a connecting and bonnie's so cool and easy and out you know like again like one of those people that you're talking about that's just good at at connecting with people she's a connector and um and yeah like having a few of those people involved that their job is just to make that that connection back and forth would would just be huge and trying to figure out how to get that information across would be um, would be amazing. And we were just talking before, before actually you hopped on this call, 
I was talking with um, Kinsey and Jessa, who are amazing and, and have started and are the founders of Ride IQ. And I said, you know, I wonder if there's any way to get actually a little bit more um, feedback on these podcasts or, or even to do like when a podcast comes out, like this will be out next week to have, um, you know, a section of time or whether it's a week or an hour where the person that we interview, so you, <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. would be available for discussion on, um, you know, on the topic, whatever we're talking about, um, on Facebook or on whatever, however, on Instagram, something like that, where we could, that's you know, an again, awesome idea. I love that. Wouldn't that be fun? Love that. Um, love that. Because yep. I think they're, they're like, we're having this conversation, you and I, and what I find so interesting about these, um, sessions or these podcasts that I've had is that none of us actually are claiming to have any answers. We have ideas, we have thoughts, we have emotions about it. We have all these things, but we're just talking and trying to be real about like, if it was easy to solve, we would have already solved it. So, you know, these, these are the perspectives and the thoughts and the things that were, you know, and it would be awesome um, after some people, some of our, our listeners listen, like have a thought about all of this and hear it from where we're sitting from. And they might go, Oh my God, I could solve this in five seconds. And then, you know, have a discussion online or, or, or whatnot every week, you know, and just start connecting that way. I don't know. I don't know. I think that could be something to start this with. I don't know what your thoughts are there. I, I, abs I absolutely love that because to me, we are more powerful as one voice and we have mm -hmm. to find a way to get that together. And, you know, Gloria and a lot of other owners and things like that, we've all, and, you know, my own, my own amazing owner, Edie Ramika, which obviously, you know, um, mm -hmm. like we've, we've talked about this for a very long time. Like, how do we, we shouldn't be, there should never be a, a fragmented is not a good idea. So that riders yeah. kind of being a little bit upset about one thing, but it never goes anyway. The owners being a little bit upset about one thing, but it never goes anywhere. And then the, yeah. the, you know, the fans being upset about one thing, but it never goes anywhere and, and all of that kind of stuff. But it's, but, you know, really our goals and our dreams and our vision are very similar. And if yeah. we all join together and then for, for a better, for lack of a better word, lobbied our own sport and drove our own sport in the direction that we would like it to go, because I will tell you, most <laughs> of us have a clear vision of what that is. And mm -hmm. one of the, one of the other things that, um, one of the other things I learned from the from the from Kentucky is that we can't um, again with the best will in the world. We have to remember that the that our federation uh, oversees quite a lot of sports and a lot of stuff, and so we can't yeah. always assume that the, the higher ups in command of our federation, while they are horsemen and they're amazing people really don't necessarily understand our sport. And right. so we have to make it very clear to them what it is that we think, uh, where, you know, where the sport should go, what we should be doing and what we want. And if we are all joining together to do that and stuff like this, what you're just talking about is how we do it. And I know we can all get jaded and exhausted from the whole thing, but at the end of the day, the, this passion is what's is what's going to move it forward we, we can't there's absolutely no reason for us not to be one of the a, a contender for the gold medal every single bloody time there is no reason for us not to be the only reason is we are not we are not making everything work together in the way that we should yeah and i think you're totally right and it sounds like it sounds like apples and oranges, right? It sounds like gold medal. Wait, we were just talking about doing, you know, a social media post for some, for our, you know, 
grassroots friends? Like, how are those things connected? And it's like, they're all connected. <laughs> like it's, it's completely connected. Mm -hmm. And that's the mm -hmm. problem is that it feels like apples and oranges and it shouldn't like, you know, um, I know you've spent a lot of time overseas and yeah, <laughs> I was fortunate to do the same. It's so connected. Like, and, and again, it's tradition. Like, like Europe is a small, is a smaller space than the U S. And so, and there's a lot more connection, I think, to horses. I think more people as children and growing up grew up in sport in horses and discipline, you know, they've touched a horse. It's, it's kind of like, it's hard to find a child that hasn't picked up a basketball or a soccer ball so they can understand. And nowadays it's, it would be unusual to find kids that rode, you know, like that, that started riding. So it's like, it's so foreign. Whereas as, um, in, in England and in Germany, it's kind of part of the culture, you know, like it's horses are part of the culture, but it's also connected. And, and here, I think we've got to figure out a way that we just start connecting those things. And then I think you're right. I think medals will come, results will come. And on both ends of it, I think the, the, people that are showing up and supporting will feel very validated. And the people that are doing the job will feel like a job well done, if that makes sense. Like, well, basically sure. what we're, but what we're saying is that we need some, we need some feedback. We need to connect. Hopefully people listening to this podcast will realize that this is something that's on our minds a lot. Like it's not that we're off in la la land thinking, you know, um, not thinking about connecting this, this group and what needs to happen. And like I kind of said earlier, like, if it was easy, we would have solved it, but, um, figuring out a way that is, is simple, you know, and that's, that's like, you know, how people make millions is that they, they don't invent something that's insane. They just, they, out of necessity, something is born, right? Like, so out of necessity to keep this sport alive and functioning and sustainable, something needs to happen. So we just got to figure out what that is. Right. right? Yes. And I, and I don't think, I just want to say, that I don't, I personally don't think it is a, a lack of talent, a lack yeah. of horses, or need of more training that is going to make this team be successful. I don't think it's any of that. I think, of course, yeah. that's important, but I don't think it's any of that. I think we have bloody good riders. I think we have good horses. I think we have excellent training in this country. I think we have great courses. You know, I mean, we're, we're very, very lucky. I mean, to where we were 20 years ago to where we are now in just sense of what courses that we get to jump and the places mm -hmm. that we get to go. There's, there's nowhere in the world like being in the United, at least the East coast yeah. of the United States. There really is not. And we have access to the, some of the best riders in the world. Like our show jumping team is impressive, right? Yeah, <laughs> our yeah, dressage yeah. team is impressive. And, and we, and you know what, it, it, there's just the, the disconnect to me is that I think we, we all need to, figure out a way to connect, connect the whole thing where the, the team has uh, like, t again, the team is connected to the grassroots of the sport. And I know I keep mm -hmm. talking about that, but I think that's really important. I think, you know, the, the support of the entire country behind a team and for everybody to feel connected to that, I think that produces results. And I think Absolutely. it's an intangible, it's an intangible thing to talk about, but the more we separate ourselves from why we're doing this in the first place, the harder mm -hmm. I think it is to produce results. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And uh, I, I was working with a group of really cool ladies last year and 
um, and my, my friend, Dr. Jenny Susser, who was on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, she, she started the, the, one of the symposiums we did with who in this room doesn't need an upgrade in connection and communication. And yeah. I was like, hand up, <laughs> not, not hand up. Like I don't need it. I do need it. And it's, it, mm-hmm. I think that's what we're talking about is that we've got all these great pieces, but they're in a hurricane, you know, it's not connected. And, mm-hmm. and we got to connect them together because we've got a great base of support. I think we have, be, because of our country, like our, our businesses, our business models are actually, you know, they work because of the relationships that we have with our adult amateurs, with our young riders, um, you know, with, again, the grassroots of the sports, that's what our business models mainly are. And yet then there's this other elusive elite side and because they're not bridged, it doesn't work. Whereas actually, like you said, we've got, we're very strong in a lot of places in the high performance. And we're, I think we're, we're probably one up most countries on the, the education, the ability, the desire, the excitement, all of that in our grassroots side, they're just not connecting, you know, they're just not connecting. So we've got it. We've got to definitely figure that out. I love I love your point. I haven't actually thought about it this way before. I've always been aware of the problem or that there's a problem or there's a gap, but I haven't seen it as uh, as full circle as you've described it. I think that is really, really interesting. Really interesting. Well, I, I don't I don't know if it's right or wrong. It just it just feels right to me. And yeah. I'm watching. And if we're just talking about something like, for example, <clears throat> Bromont Rising, which is, to me is an amazing program. And again, I'm going back to my yeah. friend Steve Blauner, who started it with you know, Sue Alkin and Peter Gray is a huge part of it. And we're very lucky to have um, Mars a part of it as well. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, for those that are, you know, uninitiated with what Bromont Rising is, um, it was really an idea of a friend of mine. And he, he what he wanted to do was say, okay, we're going to do, we're going to train, we're going to, he's trying to do a developmental thing with the sport. So we're going to, we're going to go ahead and open up these grounds for people to be able to go and actually travel and they're going to train for a few days before a major event so the first one was at, you know it's called bromont rising first one was at bromont and you get the people the kids in there for a few days you give them travel grants to get there you give them a free clinic with some with top riders to do it like this year it's going to be with patina hoy um you know and, and, and i and sign I, up am i too old yeah <laughs> yeah and when when i hosted it at mardanza you know we had we had Stuff like we'd have, okay, we yeah. had Valerie Viscarondo, you know, judge, you know, judging the dressage test. We had, you know, Brian was doing some of the show jumping stuff. Like we had all these great opportunities in the lead up to the event. Then you have the sort of the the base support during the event too for all of the for all of these riders. But in addition to that, like in addition to the amazing coaching that they were offered, there were, there were also a series of ground schools which I thought was equally, if not more, important. So, for example, when I had it at Mardanza. Um, Steve um, talked along with um, with Ardenstadt as well. It just they were just talking about like how you can how you would you know talk to your owners, how you would give your owners the best experience, what you could do to try to you know just be a bit more financially savvy about about the whole thing as part of the whole process. You know, in addition to that, we had Peter talking, Peter Gray talking about how to ride a dressage chest, what your warm up should be, all of that stuff. Chris Barnard talking about show jumping course design and walking lines yeah. with these kids and doing all of that. Max coming in and saying, this is what I think you guys should be thinking about on the horsemanship side. <clears throat> but like that sort of stuff is, is, is the stuff that we need to be thinking about yeah. more. And so how do we connect the existing programs? Cause that is, 
is very well funded. Thanks to Steve. It's very well funded. Thanks to a lot of cool support for that. And how does that can then connect to the under 25s? How does that mm -hmm. connect to the under 21s? Like all of that. And you know what? Why don't we build the adult rider program around it? So, hey, you were an adult rider. You want to come to this? No problem. We're going to yeah. do a, like a couple of days extra for you. You know, no yeah. problem. But this is how we have to kind of engage everything so it's continuous and then funding itself and, and then supporting the team because all of okay. this, nothing should be done in, again, I keep saying insularly, but nothing should be done in separate things. It should mm -hmm. all be connected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, surely we're not the first sport to have needed to do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I, I know we should probably shouldn't go on for hours about it, but, but that, that's important to me. And I, and I think, um, I think on an individual level, it's important. And on a, on a larger level, it's important. Like you can't think that if you're a super talent with a great horse, you can just sit on your farm and do, you've got to think on a bigger scale. Because again, like that horse will age out, like this will go on, that will go on. You might have a fall and get hurt you have to think about how sustainability like we were talking about earlier sustainability and sustainability means thinking about the broader sport as a whole how that whole thing is coming through well and it's i think it, it's really changing because i remember a couple of conversations and i think i this is you know like we talk about the best or the worst advice you ever got this is probably the worst advice i ever got <laughs> was <laughs> was a little bit uh basically sell your soul build your resume. And when you get old, then make your money. And I was like, what? I, and I did that. I, you know, and, but I, mm -hmm. I'm like, that is not sustainable. And, uh, and in hindsight, you know, a lot of the, the, I, I actually think a lot of my mental game and a lot of the things that I struggled with were because I felt so emotionally invested because I put everything on the line and there was nothing, there was no foundation. So now it's not like I want to tell the like young people or people in the sport or whatever, like just sit in the ring and teach all day and don't have any dreams. But it's like you can be smart about what you're doing. You know, like you can you can it might take you a year longer, you know, like it might take a little bit more forethought. But it can you think in a broader way so that what you're doing today affects tomorrow, the next day and the next day to make it more sustainable? Because I think like what we have discussed on and we could go about on about this forever. But, you know, things that we've done to be able to buy that horse or buy that farm or buy that car um, in a way that we've been, you know, savvy with the people around us or, you know, doing bridge loans or anything like that to try and figure out a way to make our lives sustainable like that's so that you can compete so that you can be focused on those certain things. I mean, that's, it's, it's really having that broader view is very, very important. And it can't be, this is my one horse. This is my time. I'm going to do this because at the end of the day too, you can go and you can, and, and I can say this from experience as well. You can go and place incredibly well at some of the top five stars in the world. And then you still wake up on Monday morning <laughs> and you're like, and now what, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. Like it's got to be bigger than that. It has to be bigger than that. It has to be about the sport. It has to be about the community. It has to be about the horses. It has to be about a legacy. It has to be bigger than that. Um, no, and you're you're an excellent example of that. You you are. No, you are. I mean, this is this is a big thing. And and I've never been. I mean, I've had some success in my life, but I've never been as successful as you have at the very highest level. And you know, but it, but I'm still proud of what I've done. And I still think that there is a future, but I think that that what you just mentioned is something that people 
need to hear. And the and the other thing is, is I think that people need to understand that that everyone does it a bit differently. So if yes, you sure. if you want to go and you want to say, okay, well, uh, like pick a Philip or a Boyd or a Buck or whatever, that's a that's a very different model than mm-hmm. say a Will Coleman or you know or Lynn Szymanski or or Sinead Halpin yeah. or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Both are very successful. Yeah. But but there is not one way, there's not one thing you can plug into an algorithm that is going to say to you, this is how you're going to be successful in your sport. That is not mm-hmm. how it works. Mm-hmm. So it has to be, there's so many factors that are going to be going on. Okay. What do I want in my personal life? What do I, because all this impacts how successful you are, you know, how successful you are at the competition. So what do I need mm-hmm. here? What, you know, how many horses do I want to ride? How do I have to do this? And then look at all, you know, and, and study and look at all how everybody does it and then go, you know, what? this is actually, this would maybe fit what, what I can do or my strengths are. Mm-hmm. And it might be, you know, it's always going to be exhausting. It's never going to be easy. But what, what fits my strengths? <coughs> what, what can I bring to make the money and to make this sustainable? Totally. It's so funny. I, um, I, was, I went to Germany in October, ended up selling a horse here into out of eventing into the hunter world and should have, should have made, you know, wiser choices and invested the money into the farm. But then Tick <laughs> said, you, you need a good horse. And it's been a little while. So let's, let's buy a good horse. And uh, so I went to Germany and I got the lead on a horse from Julia Krasowski, who had just returned from winning the gold medal. And mm-hmm. I got there and I said, why are you selling this horse? And she said, it's amazing that I won the gold medal. Um, but it didn't, it, I got, I, I have to pay for, to get my lorry out of the shop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she yeah. said, there's a lot, there's a lot of wonderful things that come with, with this gold medal. And my, she said, my boyfriend is so mad. I'm selling this horse. And I told him, well, you can buy it for me. <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, but she's mm-hmm. like, I've got a lorry in the shop. It's, I got to get it out. And, you know, I have to make some choices and I own half of this horse. And it's so true, you know, like, it's so true. It's like, you got to kind of make some of these choices. And, um, but that well, was a, well, I, yeah. I want to say and for people that maybe obviously everyone knows who Carl Hester is, right. <laughs> Yeah. But at the but at but at the time they might not have. So Carl Hester for the uninitiated is the reason why British dressage is the is way what that it, is. it is. Yeah. Like he we uh, I mean I'm you know yeah. <laughs> I am half British so I can be pretty proud of it. But like it's pretty unbelievable what he has yeah. done and he is the reason because it went from absolutely nothing <laughs> to what it is now. But um but with with Carl Hester, you know my my, and you know obviously very well Vaughn Vaughn Jeffers, a very yeah. old friend of mine, a mentor of mine, um, world champion in the Hague in '94, um, along many other things. He was a he was a staple of the New Zealand team when it won everything with Andrew and Blythe and uh, Mark Todd. But anyway, um, you know Vaughn had gave him gave him very serious advice about that because he had a horse that was six at the World Cup and England was not on the map at all. This was like they were all all just doing backflips over the fact that they were even in the top 30 and he was six at the world cup and Vaughn turned around and said to him, you know, you sell that horse and you buy a farm. Yeah. And it, you know, if you think about what he did there, because that was a big deal to sell that horse and he's done yeah. it a few times. It's a big deal to sell that horse. But if you look at what's now happened with British dressage, what a name Carl Hester is, what he's built for himself, how he's created Charlotte Dujardin, you know, all of that. Yeah. Um, like that is from that decision on that day to sell that horse, 
which must have been, I can't even imagine. Like, I don't know if I am self, I, I, w I hope that today I'd be practical enough to do something like that, but I'm not sure it would be. And I think yeah, it was I a, think it be. I mean, good, like bloody good on him and good on Vaughn for telling him to do it and good on Carl for doing it. But yeah. if you look at that, like that was then another three or four years before the next big thing happened for Carl yeah. and then he created Charlotte and then everything, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's that, it's that bigger, that bigger picture, right? Like that bigger picture. It's, it's, um, it's very hard to do again when you're in an emotional based job. That's not really a job. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. It's, that's, that's crazy. I know. Um, and I actually, uh, I don't actually think I sent you these questions that, and this is my, I'm like a mom brain, like two and a half hours sleep these days. But did I didn't send you these ride IQ questions, did I? I don't mind. Whatever. You just throw them at me. It's good. Okay. So what we do is we wrap up each of our podcasts with five questions, but every single podcast person other than you, I've sent them to beforehand. So they get to look mm -hmm. at them. It's okay. This is fun. We'll just do it. We'll do it like just off the cuff. Yeah. I'm like, I am really sorry. I just, I'm like, whoa, mm -hmm. I'm, I am just not winning. I'm, I'm uh, amazed you're even functioning. It's all good. <laughs> um, I'm like, talk about communication. I'm doing a very bad job. Um, <laughs> So I want to I want to um, come back to these questions because we've we have really I think we've tackled a lot of stuff. I don't and I'm I'm super curious and and I really I'm gonna work on this when we get off this call with um, with our ladies at Ride IQ and and try and and loop in. This will be the first first podcast. I think maybe we'll try and figure out a way to loop in our listeners and and get some live time and get some feedback because I think there's a lot that we've covered here without you know like just just things that are worthy of of conversation. Um, so we're going to do that. And then, but what I want to also do is in this last, you know, 15 or 20 minutes is, is to talk about you. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Well, that's not as interesting, but we'll it, go. <laughs> it is. So, so we haven't, we, we've, you know, like how gracious you are to spend all this time talking about improving the sport. I do want to circle back to some questions that were, are going to be about you. So if you want to pass or if you want a second, and come back to it. Just let me know because some of them are a little easy and some are not. But let's do, um, it. Let's let's do it. it. Okay. Um, what's the biggest lesson a horse has taught you about yourself? I I would say the best advice I ever got was was from my mom when I was little, and it was just um, don't do anything in anger. Mm. Yeah. And I and I think you know I've remember I remembered that. And um, you know we we've all we've all. Um, They've all been angry or frustrated or, or whatever. Right. And, Not and me, it, it, never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be about anything. You know, as a kid, it's not about anything that's major. But, you know, uh, when you get a bit older, it can be about a lot of other things. Um, but, you know, if you, if, you need to, if you need to be a bit tough about something, um, you must be fair. And mm. you, must, you must never do anything in anger. And you must always have the, the answer and the reward really, really obvious. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the biggest, so to segue back to that, I think the, the biggest thing I've ever learned from a horse is that just like people, they're all extremely different and you must know their personalities in order to get the best performance from them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's like, just like people, some people need a lot of positive re reinforcement. Some people are worried about X, Y, and Z. Some people are anxious. Some people actually need like pumping up. So yeah. you know how sometimes when you go cross country, if you're going to go to the start box, 
there'll be some horses in your mind that you you think you got to have elevator music because those like Somerset was like that, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you yeah. got to have elevator music because there's almost got to be two compartments of your mind. The one part is, oh God, I'm going to do this and this is scary, and I've got to figure out this line, and he needs this, and he needs a gap to the to the coffin because his front end's not great, and you know you're thinking all yeah, these yeah. things, but the but the other side of your mind is going. Ba -da -da. <laughs> right yeah, but then yeah. there's com yeah it's completely opposite which is my my first horse who was an amazing amazing horse a seeing eye dog but he needed much more of a like a like a revving up like his his yeah. idea of going cross country was he was very careful and his idea of going cross country is I need everybody to be watching me. Like I, it, it has to be exciting and and like almost like club music and really like. Ba -da -da -da. Um, and yeah. so that, that's, I think, the biggest lesson that horses have taught me is that you have to be adaptable to what brings the best performance out of them. Yeah, totally. That It's funny. I was thinking about it the other day, and I've said this before, but, <clears throat> you know, you go back and forth about the anthropomorphism, which, you know, giving animals human characteristics. But I actually think it's I used to be like, oh, don't do that. And now I think it's fine because if it helps relate, you know, how to train and how to ride, it's like it's great. You know, like you kind of said about being fair. I've got <clears throat> a horse right now that's got a very dominant personality. And especially with the ones that are dominant, like you have to have boundaries, but you have to be fair. And if you, if you're not fair, then you're going to end up, you know, in next week, <laughs> you know, cause they're going to, yeah. they're going to, but if you don't have boundaries, you're going to end up in next week as well. You know, <laughs> like, <clears throat> it's like you got to put you know they, they need those things so it's it's very <clears throat> for sure and we don't we don't need to overcomplicate things but yeah. you know we also have to realize that and like somerset wasn't um i wouldn't say he was highly intelligent he was very emotional but not mm. but not highly intelligent but but if i if i if i said to you know someone you know what you're oh the horses only have you know x amount of capacity to understand something and and they met rubens they would be they just oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah. sorry like he he has like there was one person that wanted to um give me a they're like oh would you like a psychic to come in i'm like no no because he's already got like a, i already understand everything yeah. he's got a whiteboard by the side of his stall of exactly how he wants things <laughs> yeah. to be done he's yeah. very french and yeah. i'm like if it's like if we give him more of a microphone yeah. like it's going to go on till next week so like i know so and th and that's it's so typical that's like so french it's like no it's on his sleeve i can read it it's fine <laughs> like yeah i don't want to know i mean i already know so please uh I it's know. already clear it's, it's already clear. very very clear and i know i work for him so here we are <laughs> uh, i know it's it's i mean but that's the fun part and it's like once you once you get to that side of it, I had that conversation with one of my girls today because she was she had a tough ride on one of the green horses. And I said, it's not you. It's him. <laughs> I said, yeah. he, he can't handle two days a row in the ring. He just can't. It's just he just can't. It's not it, his personality is I do one good day and then I need to go walk. You know, I need to go hack or have an easy day. That's his capacity. It's like if I ace a test, I need a week vacation. That's his personality. And um that's got to be okay, you know, but it's uh, not to kind of go off on the, on a tangent, but um, yeah, I think that's a big, I, I love that. Okay. Do you have a favorite training or competition mantra that you reference regularly? You know, I, 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 I don't, I, I wish I could say, I wish I could say that I did. I, I actually don't I, because I think it's very personal. I think it's, 
personal to the competition. And I know mm-hmm. there's other people maybe more evolved than me that would answer this better. But I, I think it's it's personal to the horse. It's personal to the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I I try not to, the things that have made me better, because I've, I, you know, I was a, I've always been a natural cross-country rider. Like, I've had trouble in my career, obviously, here and there, and had some falls and things like that. But um, cross-country has always felt very at home to me. I, I mm-hmm. like being out there. It's a very, so I try, I try not to mess with that too much. Like, I, I walk the courses, um thinking about the horse that I have and then I just try to ride that because the more I the more I try to meddle with that the the harder it actually makes my life and Mm -hmm. and I've never been a natural dressage rider or a natural show (coughs) jumper but I've learned to be be good at both you know quite good at both um but that that was through training and and so for me again it's very individual so if I've got I've got a certain so a mantra I don't I don't think I do have a mantra I think I have a okay, this is what this horse needs. And that's what I'm, again, it goes back to just talking about the, the personal things that work, work for the horse. And then I, I try to, I try to come up with a plan that's going to work for that horse and then try to stick to that plan. Um, I don't, I don't really feel a lot of, um, I think one of the things Sinead actually that, that people I think try to do uh, is they try to think that they've got to not be nervous. And I think that's a very, bad thing to teach people or to tell people because yeah. uh, at the end of the day um we're all nervous and anyone that says that they're not nervous is lying to you well they're a and psychic so you... killer <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean they, yeah yeah i mean they, they're not telling you the truth i mean if you yeah. if you walk if you walk if you walk in the barn on saturday morning at any five star in the world nobody is not nervous everybody is absolutely on edge and and worried and 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 in a in a good way, like that, that can be very positive. So how do you turn that in the dressage and show jumping to your advantage? Well, you just in, in my mind, I simply say to myself, it is okay to be nervous. You can still ride even though you're nervous, mm-hmm. totally. right? So totally. it's, I don't try to say to myself, which I think a lot of people try to do, don't be nervous because mm-hmm. that's that's just silly. Mm-hmm. Just say to yourself, okay, well, when I for this horse, when he comes out of the corner here it's best for me to make sure I'm this way with my body to do the shoulder incorrectly. Or if I need to come around there to that, I need to trot around in my warm up and take a breath before I pick up my canter to do my show jumping around. And this horse, you know, is a bit spooky at Liverpool. So I'm going to go and walk by that Liverpool. The, li- the, the buzzer is going to go, but I'm not going to shoot off like I've been shot at a cannon. I'm going to mm-hmm. take a breath. I'm going to pat my horse. I'm going to trot and then I'm going to canter and then I'm going to start and I'm going to stick to my plan. But I think, mm-hmm. I think having a plan, makes you less nervous and so that maybe is maybe is my mantra yeah well i think there's a certain amount of presence in that like that your mantra is almost like not to have a mantra which is a mantra (laughs) but i think that's a good thing for people to hear because then you know it's kind of like people having superstitions like i've been asked if i have superstitions and i'm like no should i (laughs) like yeah should i have a superstition and it's it some people don't because it again like you said it's like actually every time i get to a competition i try and like refresh my mental state and in where I'm at. And I think that's a healthy, healthy way to be. I like it. It's personal. It's personal with the rider. It's personal with the horse. And it also must be adjustable. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that could be a Sarah mantra. We could quote that. It must be adjustable. (laughs) Oh dear. Okay. What's the next one? I like that. It's personal. (laughs) It must be adjustable. Um, 
is there a piece of advice someone gave you along the way that you still reference today? And you might have answered that with your mom. No, 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 no. But yeah, my mom is, yeah, my mom's an amazing horsewoman. Um, I, I will reference uh, Jimmy Wofford, who is also a, a huge uh, influence in my life when I, when I talk about this and I think about it every day that I get up, is that you, um, you have to be, you better be nice and kind and empathetic to people on your way up because you're going to see them again on your way back down. Jimmy's actually been referenced yeah. on that one. Like, I think that's kind of the, the, the quote heard around the world, you know? Yes. It's, it's a great, one. it's a great, it's a great quote. You know, it's a great mm -hmm. quote. Like, and he's great for so many reasons, but, mm -hmm. but I, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that, that, that to me is, is, is a big quote because, and it, you know, you got to think about it because this sport is very up and down and you've got to oh, be yeah. able to, You've just got to be present and as, a, uh, you know, as, as, as hard as it can be sometimes because you're trying to be focused and trying to do a very good job and all that sort of stuff. And we get this sense of self-importance, which is important because you, you have to be that way. You have to be slightly selfish in order to really be focused enough to do your job. But at the end of the day, you also, one of the things that he said to me, um, I did uh, my first Kentucky in 99, which is just embarrassing, but it was a really long time ago. The first Kentucky in 99. And one of the things I always remember <laughs> is, you know, I was thinking in my mind as I was down in the show jumping ring and I was walking the course with him and he was, you know, I was thinking, I can't believe I had a 20, right? I mean, I, you know, I jumped all right. Like I was useless. I can't believe, I mean, when you look back on it, you go, how did she even make it around? <laughs> like, like, all, like all of that. Like, but yeah. you know, at the time, you know, you're 19 or whatever and you go, I can't believe I had a 20. Like how, you yeah. know, I'm here, I'm in like, you know, third, I don't know, 25th place or 30th place or whatever it was. And, um, you know, and the very first thing he said when we were all down there standing in the, in the main arena was look around. Not many people get to be here, yeah, and not many people will, will will get this opportunity. You need to savor this moment, and I think that's a very that's a very great that's a great piece of advice because when you're doing it at the time, you think, you know, when you're young, that young, and you're doing this. Yeah. Or and I went to Babington Burley as, as well, very very young, and you're just thinking, oh well, you know, I'm just I'm just not good enough, just not good enough. But the fact that you're there and you're finishing is is a really cool thing so i think you've mm -hmm. got to you got to savor that and then you got to be kind to everybody who helps you get there and then and then be excited about where you are but then realize that the sport has massive ups and downs and this is yeah. again about sustainability and longevity mm -hmm. yeah it i 100 and i think at the end of the day like we're all human right like you're going to, you're going to lash out. You're going to do something dumb. You're going to say something dumb. You're going to be over the top at times, but it's like, if you do that, just be normal, go back and apologize, have a conversation, you know, like yep. in the heat of the moment, something's going to slip. You know, like you can't realistically, you can't be nice all the time in the heat of that stuff, but you can come back and recognize that you weren't. And you can also, when like you and I, I will say we're we're getting a little bit older in the sport. You can recognize, <laughs> you can also appreciate like a high in a more level way. You know, it's not mm -hmm. like I just won this thing and now the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the Olympics and then I'm going to win a gold medal and then I'm going to live happily ever after and it's going to be awesome. You're like, you know what? I had a great go today and I'm going to just let that simmer for a little bit, you know, and just appreciate it. Um, hundred percent yeah. and, and we yeah. should all get behind our athletes that <clears throat> that do have a like you just said a fallible moment like i'm not, yeah. not going to name names but i <laughs> I, I, I know i know a few <clears throat> riders that that i have 
been personally like so proud of to represent our country totally. on the world stage that it maybe had a moment or two that 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 wasn't quite you know what everybody thought it should be but when you when you think about what has done and how they presented us and how they ride and what they do on a global scale yeah. that having one moment of being human like really is totally. actually not you know it's not a bad thing like ever all of us should go we should all ostracize that rider because of that we should go this is a bloody good rider. What is going on that we're not doing that is giving that sort of, not, I mean, I'm not saying it's everybody else's responsibility, yeah. but I'm also saying, you know, what is that feeling that that rider has that he doesn't have the support or, you know, and yeah. that, that to me is, is a, is heartbreaking. Like I yeah. hate seeing that, you know? No. My mother-in-law has like an 80, 20 rule. And she's like, as long as it's 80% good. And if it's just 20% bad, you're fine. She's like, if it's the right. other way around, then that's a problem, <laughs> you know, which right. I actually thought was a pretty good point. Um, so I totally, I'm totally agree. Um, okay. Our next question. What do you do when you are seeking inspiration? <clears throat> um, that's very, that's an actually an easy question. Um, for me, I, my, one of my rule of thumbs is, and everybody's probably tired of hearing me say this, but one of my rules of thumbs is I never want to be the best rider in my ring for very long. So the, the more I can surround myself with the best I can possibly surround myself with, um, mm. the happier I am. Again, like you just mentioned, we've been in the sport for a long time. So one of the benefits of that, um, if you haven't been, sorry, you might need to delete this, but you haven't been a total asshole, is that you've, you've created um, a good relationship with, with riders around the world, right? So you can get some different things going on. Yeah. And, you know, for me, um, you know, I want to be, I want the best show jumping coaches I can possibly be with. I want the best dressage coaches I can possibly be with. I want to invite people to come and train wherever I am. Like if I can be surrounded by them, that makes me really happy. You do this. I, I host a lot of clinics and do a lot of things. And um, for example, this, you know, this winter we had, among other things, we had, we had William come over, which was, which was fantastic. And this is the sort of stuff that I try to do <laughs> regularly. So it, mm -hmm. that is how I seek inspiration as being about it being around the best horseman I can possibly be around as much as possible. Yeah, completely. Like once you, I think there's a Brit there, there's like a, a jump that you do when you're, when you're young, it's all about you, which you need to, it needs to be, and you're fighting and scrapping and you just, you know, want to win all the time. And then there's a point when you want to, when you become a really good learner and you enjoy learning and you're inspired by learning, you know, like once you get a little bit at peace with not having all the answers or knowing everything, you just want to be around people that know more, I think is a big, uh, a big leap. And I totally agree. Like I love, I love clinics. I love watching people. I love learning. Um, I think that's, that is pretty cool. I love, I, I, I love watching. I, I love watching. I, it, you know, when I, when I got hurt, it's one of the things I did the most of. And a lot of people are saying, Oh, isn't this just driving you mental? You can't ride. You can't do this. I love being around that. I love being on the ground. I love yeah. standing by the warmups. I love just simple things. Like I have, I'm lucky enough to have been in the sport a long time and to have made a lot of good relationships where it's not just about, so these people come and they teach and I can stand there and I can watch. And then that is like, I could do that all day long, but it's not just that, you know, it's just even what we're doing right now where we're talking on the phone and we're having this stuff. So we might just sit down and we'll have a five minute conversation and something mm -hmm. clicks. If, you know, if only one thing clicks every two weeks, like, holy yeah. cow, like, holy yeah, yeah. cow, it's a yeah. big deal. Totally. 
Totally. I love it. Um, okay. Our last and final question. Um, have you, have you had an experience or an adversity separate from horses in your life that has directly influenced you as a horseman? No, I, I you know, I don't, not sure it is separate from horses. I, I feel, um, just everything in my life is, is, is pretty tied up with the horses. I, I would, um, I would say, yes. I mean, I've lost, um, I've lost a few people in my life. I mean, yes, they were also horse people. So, you know, it is tied up in horses in, in that aspect, but I have lost a few people in my life. And so I would say that that, that has uh, influenced how I am and how I lead my life and mm -hmm. what I consider important in my life. But I'm not sure I can say that they were totally separate from horses because they weren't. But, well, it was a riding uh, horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because they weren't. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, sorry, I can't. Um, I can't say that it was it was separate, but uh, yeah, but you know, um, but yes, I I've lost a few people. I've had a few, you know, a few injuries and a few things that have gone on, and um, <clears throat> and that that's influenced influenced how I how I lead my life, but not 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 to a not to a massive extent, except for to say that what I do with my life, like how I want to live my life is okay. Maybe mm -hmm. it's more validation of being okay with the path that I chose. So that would be the mm -hmm. only thing that I would say that would, would have influenced it is that, you know, okay, well you think, Oh, well, you're just doing horses and this isn't really that, this, and this, you know, not really that important, but then you kind of go, well, you know, how long do we really have? Like what, yeah. how many choices do we really have in life and what do you want to do and what's important to you? And, uh, you know, like as much as we want to say we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and then we're going to do the other, we don't always know that we have we have that amount of time. Yeah. Um, in anything. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's really interesting. I, that angle that it actually hasn't changed your life; it's validated it. That's pretty, <laughs> yes. That, it's yes. pretty cool. But no, it's really cool. I haven't heard it that way before. But I, really oh dear, cool. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> it's personal and it's adjustable. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's really good. Um, well, I think we've managed to hit every corner of every com of every topic that <laughs> yes was, was on our radar. Um, so this was a, this was an amazing conversation, Sarah. I think I think uh, I was I was pretty confident that we were going to explore all of these different options, and I think any anybody that's listening has recognized that um, there there are a lot of a lot of layers to. Sarah Kay, um, <laughs> which we, which we've all known. And, and I've really enjoyed this. And I, I, I actually, I, I have written down a lot of stuff from this conversation and I feel like I want to, to kind of lick and chew on some of it a little bit more. And I'm, I'm really excited to get some feedback from our listeners and see if there's something that can come of this that helps. Um, yeah, it helps connect our community a little bit more. And I know it's inspired me like this. This podcast is in, has been if somebody were to ask me what inspires me, this has been an inspiring conversation. So I thank you for that. And um, well, talking to you, listening to what you've been doing and talking to you has been really inspiring to me for a long, long time. But and, you know, and I think one one other brief thing I want to touch on, Sinead, just very, yeah. very quickly, yeah. is because I do, I do get asked this a lot. And one thing I want to talk into case there was anybody listening in about this, it, and Will Fordry did it very, very well. And he has a mm. 
you know, a great background in all of it. But, but one thing I would like to say, because a lot of people said to me, okay, so what, what about, you know, what about having, you know, having broken your back and your neck or having broken this or having done all that? Like what, like, why, like, are you scared? Like, is it this, is it that? And I will say to people that there's a lot of things you can do in horses and there's a lot of things that I could do in horses that I would be happy with without continuing on at the five-star level. Mm. But my, my sort of thought on that is you do what you're comfortable with. You do what you're comfortable with. You like you get as strong and as fit as you can. You listen to your doctors and you do what you're comfortable with. But for me, what I told myself when I left the box is I made myself go back to the same event, right, at the same level, and do the same thing. And what I told myself is when I left the box that if I was when I left the box, if I was worried at that level, that I shouldn't be doing it. Right. And I think I think that's just a very quick thing that I wanted to bring up and, and totally. just chat about, only, only because um, I wasn't. And it doesn't mean that I'm never scared or that I don't get worried about things, because I absolutely do. And I've had this talk a lot of times with a lot of different people. And I absolutely do. But I always, but to be fair, I always have. I've always been terrified before I've left every Starbucks at a competition at a, at a high level. And it's always been absolutely terrifying. I think it's very important to say, to talk about that and to not make people feel bad about being nervous or worried. What yeah. you should be worried about is if you leave the box and then you're thinking about it on course. If you're yeah. out there on course and you're not riding the course, then just back it off and do something easier, do something more fun and mm -hmm. do that. just do it at a simpler level. But you know, don't be worried about being scared to do what we do, because what what we do should require um, a bit of respect and a bit of a bit of that. And yeah. so, like, don't don't worry about that. Like, don't don't get stressed. Don't be mad at yourself going. I shouldn't. It's when we go back to what we're talking about with even the dressage and show jumping, I shouldn't be nervous. You know, bollocks to that, because that's not true. It's not what everybody does. And everybody is also individual. But when I tell you that Pretty much everyone I know is nervous before they go out on a five-star cross-country course. I don't think mm -hmm. I've met. Have you met anyone today? No. Well, there was yeah. this one conversation I had with Jesse Phoenix, but I don't think she was telling me the truth. <laughs> also, also, she's a, she's a might be the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Yeah. I remember walk, 2011 walking around Burley and then I was about to throw up and then she looked at me and she goes, aren't you just so excited? And I, I have never been speechless in my life. That was the one moment I was speechless. <laughs> and it's nice. so funny because I just talked to her. That's so funny you said that. Because I was just at Chat Hills and, and I, I said to her after she, because you've ridden like 18 horses around the four star. And she had come through and I just said to her, I was like, God, you do it. You just run. You just amazing. Like every horse is going really well. They're all very different. You're doing such a great job. She's like, "Isn't it so fun?" And I was like, yeah. "You are an effing lunatic." Yeah. Like, yeah. but, but she could, but she could be the exception that proves the rule because she just is. Maybe that's just the way she is, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but, but, like, I, I, I just want to say that I think there's this weird, there's this weird stigma that people need to feel like they're not scared or they're this or that. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's, uh, that's not the message <laughs> we should be pushing out because I think it is healthy to be worried about this sort of thing because you need to respect it and it isn't unusual. 
Well, I think you hit the point, uh, the nail on the head when you said, when you, when you leave the box though, you should be functioning, you know, like, yes. I don't know if you said it in that, those words, but I, yes. I, I remember being very fearful after some accidents and Rebecca Howard actually saying to me, yeah, but when you leave the box, you're still able to ride. And she said, a lot of people can't. And, um, and I didn't actually put it in that context because I get so nervous. I get crazy nervous um, beforehand. But normally, once you get me like eight strides in front of the fence on cross country, I'm fine. Like I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking about it. I'm just at work. And um, and I think that is something to be noted. And, you know, everything is within a context. Like a ball. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's within context. And like and then if you say, am I nervous because. I'm lacking in a skill set or am I nervous because I don't want to fail? You know, like that, those are, those are two different things really. Um, you know, if you've gone and done your homework and you, and you've set up as best as you can, and then you're going to the whole competition is to check the evolution, right? Like, how am I doing? No, <laughs> like, very, no, very, very, very good point. Yeah. No, very good point. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. Like I, I was thinking it more of, if I didn't go out of the box and, and ride, like I, you know, I can ride. Cause I think one of the things, I mean, I, I think the skill set thing that you just mentioned is very important. I should have, I should have mentioned that. But the other thing that I think sometimes happens to us a little bit more, and I feel it happens just more in America than it does anywhere else. It's just the, you know, the upper level rise, just get on and do it. Like we get so, you must be this way. You must be that way. You must be the other. But at the end of the day, like we, we need to be a little bit more like just get on and do it. And so if you leave the start box and you feel that you're worried about falling, then you shouldn't do that level. Yeah. That's not your, that's not your level. Pick a different level. And when mm -hmm. there's a level that you're happy of to go out the box and you're not worried about that, that's your level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, I, I think that is a very valid point because I think that's the, I think the two, the two main thing, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, riding beginner novice or trail riding or you're riding five star. I mean, it's, it's, it's confidence and, um, in, in, in fear, right? Like whatever that fear looks like. So I think exploring mm -hmm. and discussing those things is really important and figuring out where it comes from. And if it's rational, if it's irrational, if you just got to go out and do it, if you need to spend more time in the ring or if you don't want to do it, because I think that's part of it too, is that. Like there's a lot of pressure to move up levels. And it's like, believe me, like if, if you're working a, a nine to five job or a, a lot of professionals that I help right now are working well more than a nine to five job because they have their own businesses and they're running around like lunatics and they're riding at 4 a.m. and then at 6 p.m. And then they're like, well, I've gone 10 novices and I've won them all. And now I feel like I have to move up. And I'm like, why? Like, why you know yeah if, if you're not confident moving up then don't just you know say it but again don't, don't you think that's a little bit also back to the i know we need to stop but don't you think it's also back to to tailoring a specific thing to a specific program and client and worker and everything right like <laughs> totally. not everybody has to fit in the same box you know i co i coach a guy from panama who i absolutely adore who breaks pretty much every mold like he's he hasn't really invented that much um he's extremely athletic he works really hard he's got a you know he's head of a successful law firm he's running for the president of panama doing all of this right and and yet he is able he, he's able to do this in a very different mold than you would say for xyz person but but i think that's 
you know, it's kind of part of it, right? Like you've yeah. got to say this works for you. That doesn't work for you. And that is bloody okay. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and then, you know, you're again, your community, your coaches, like obviously you're doing an amazing job because you've been in the world long enough and in the sport long enough to say, it's okay. It's done 10 different ways. We can do this your way. So it's, it's completely fine. And we're going to do that in a safe space. I'm going to teach you this. I'm not going to send you out of that box if you don't have the skill set that you need. <laughs> right. And, right. Exactly. And I'm going to advise I... you, yeah, in a way that, you know, you know, we appropriate horses, appropriate exactly. skill set, and let's go see what you got, you know, like. Totally. Exactly. And I, and I can't possibly take up this new mums more time. So I'm sorry. Thank you, Sinead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, you're sorry, totally right now <laughs> i know it's okay tick tick was he's been in vegas for three days at a bachelor party so that uh, he's okay to handle those kids for a hot second, <laughs> uh, anyway. hot second. but um well this has been awesome sarah i really really appreciate it and um we will when when ride iq hits our first billion we will put in a cell tower at your house <laughs> and uh and that way you can you can be in the luxury of your own home and not be sitting on the side of the road trying to get cell service for our podcast. We really appreciate it. I think with that, I actually lost you again. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Before you go, I just want to let you know more about Ride IQ. At its core, Ride IQ gives everyone access to instruction from the best equestrian coaches in the world. It might sound impossible, but with Ride IQ, you get access to the private mobile app that has hundreds of on-demand, listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top riders and coaches in eventing, hunter jumpers, and dressage. Here's how it works. You look through the app and choose a lesson based on your horse or a skill you're working on. There are lessons for green off-the-track thoroughbreds and nervous horses and horses that are behind the leg, as well as lessons that teach every stage of skills like shoulder in or trot lengthenings. Then you tack up and press play and you have a top coach like Doug Payne or Leslie Law or Gina Smith in your ear guiding you every step of the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, it is always appreciated if you can take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and family and leave a review on your podcast app. The best way to support the podcast is to become a Ride IQ member at ride-iq.com. And when you do, we hope you're excited to see that InStride is just one of multiple podcast shows on the app, including half chats, conversations with coaches, and more. And lastly, I wanted to let you know that our friends over at Major League Eventing also have a podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, I think you would also really enjoy their show. Just search for the Major League Eventing podcast in your podcast app and give it a listen. Have a wonderful week and please do press follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. And as always, remember to pat your horse.